One of the best classes I took in my 22 years as a full-time student was when I spent a semester reading Homer's Iliad in Greek. It was challenging and engaging and everything I ever wanted from school, and the professor was one of the smartest people I have ever met. Still is, as far as I know. One day, early in the course, we were talking about Helen. Even if you haven't read Homer's Iliad in any language, you've probably heard of Helen of Troy, the face that launched a thousand ships, the reason there was a Trojan War at all, according to Homer at least. And, according to Homer, Helen was the most beautiful woman who ever lived. Our professor pointed out that Helen's beauty is one of the reasons Homer's epic is such a masterpiece. Because Homer never describes Helen. That's why when he tells us that she is the most beautiful, we believe him. Homer never gives us any details. He lets us fill them in. And because he does, entirely on our own, we imagine the most beautiful woman in the world. And so we believe him and agree Helen is the most beautiful because we have no idea what she looked like. And so we imagine whatever is the most beautiful to us. I've been avoiding this one. You just heard my introduction. I still am. I'm avoiding writing about Bathsheba. I'm not entirely sure why. It might have something to do with what's going on in the world and in our culture. I mean, I'm on social media enough to know that a lot of shouting is happening. And it's largely about two seemingly competing truths. The first is that I cannot fully understand what it's like to be you because I only know what it's like to be me. The second is that I'm supposed to try. Lots of people are shouting that I and the people who fit into some of the same categories as me haven't done enough to sympathize with the people who belong to other categories, which is true. But people are also shouting that if I and the people who fit into the same categories as me are going to try to sympathize, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, which is also true. But shouting scares me, and so does sympathizing, and so does the possibility of sympathizing wrong, and so I fall quiet. And since I'm in the category of man, and Bathsheba is in the category of woman, and since her story belongs to her category and not mine, it's easier to be quiet about it. I think my avoidance might also come from something else, though. From another paradox. Two more seemingly competing truths. The first one is that we should take people's words and actions in the kindest possible way, which is just a good way to go through life. And the second is the true story of what happened to Bathsheba. Or should I say, of what Bathsheba did. You see, I don't know. Because if I take her words and actions in the kindest possible way, she was just trying to take a bath and got noticed by a powerful man and got raped. And then her husband was murdered, and she was forced to marry her rapist. 
but that requires me to take David's actions in the least kind possible way. And if I take David's actions in the kindest possible way, then Bathsheba shouldn't have been bathing out in the open, and she was complicit in committing adultery against her husband, and maybe even wanted him to get killed, and that's why she told David she was pregnant instead of telling her husband, and she married her accomplice in all of it. And I really don't like that version of the story either. Which is why I thought of Homer's Iliad and Helen of Troy, the most beautiful woman. It's not just a diversion. And it's not that Bathsheba must have been beautiful and is also not described to us. Bathsheba reminds me of Helen because the lack of detail is part of the reason the story is masterfully told. We don't know exactly how to understand Bathsheba's role in the story. We don't know how she felt about getting David's attention, about sharing David's bed, about her pregnancy, about her husband's planned yet accidental death, about marrying the king, about losing the baby, about having several other children with David, about seeing one of them become king, about any of it. And because we aren't given the details, we fill them in ourselves. And that's the real reason I'm still avoiding talking about Bathsheba's story. Because even though we belong to different categories of people, I cannot not sympathize with her. I'm not worried about doing it wrong. I'm worried about doing it too much. And taking her words and actions in the kindest possible way feels like making excuses for sin and blaming David. But taking David's actions in the kindest possible way feels like victim-shaming and making excuses for other sins. So there is no way to deal with Bathsheba's story in which I don't feel the guilt of the sins committed in the story. There is no way to talk about what happened without talking about the shame of it all and my own shame too. The details are sparse, and my imagination fills in the blanks and makes Bathsheba one of the most tragic characters of all of Scripture, and I see myself in her. The tragedy of how messy my own sins are, and how I am simultaneously a victim to them and an accomplice in them, and guilty so guilty. And now that I have quit avoiding that, you know what else I get to see? How Bathsheba's distant grandson is the only solution to the guilt she may be felt and the guilt I definitely feel. How Jesus became the final victim to sin to save all of sin's accomplices. Now I get to see how the only answer to the problems of a world in which these messes happen all the time is God's grace. And even though Jesus is not mentioned in this part of Bathsheba's story, my faith in him fills in the gaps with his forgiveness and makes even this story beautiful. Because even this story is about him and his love for Bathsheba, for David, 
for Uriah, for the baby who died, for the babies who lived, for everyone, and for you, and for me. You and I are dust and breath, loved by God, bought by Jesus. This podcast is written and produced by me, Ethan Cherney, a Wells pastor serving our Savior Lutheran Church in Pomona, California. Get in touch on Facebook at Dust and Breath Pod, on Twitter at Dust Breath Pod, or by emailing dustandbreathpod at gmail.com. Outro music arranged and performed by Mr. Peter Shawi, who is like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you could leave a review in iTunes or just share an episode on social media, I'd really appreciate it. It's the only way other people can find the show. Now, go do what God made you to do. Be who God called you to be. Go see what God can do with dust and breath and faith in Jesus, his son.